0: And good morning, everybody. It's great to see everybody here today and glad to be back home with you. Uh, My wife uh, covered Pastor Lisa. She covered last week, did a great job. I watched it from Senegal, but uh, we came home a day and a half early because I missed you. So the rest of the team, they are actually coming home today. In fact, they are over the Atlantic Ocean square in the middle of it right now so they'll be home later tonight but we'll be giving a a, a report uh, later on uh, as we get some we have some footage and that because we want to show you what happened but uh, just one of those ironic things you know we bought this uh, property in middle of the desert and I was like are you sure there's people going to be building out here so by the time we arrived last week it's already developed into a full community homes all over the place And right before, listen to this, God has a way of making sure you get in the right spot. They announced that they're gonna build a new soccer stadium right next door to the church. So you're worried about how are they gonna find out whether there's a church in the community or not that has just been solved. We're gonna be right next door to that when it gets built, so it was an incredible time. And uh, I'm having a little bit of issue. Evidently, I brought back some of the Senegal sand in my lungs, so I'm doing my best not to uh, let that disrupt me today. But I'm uh, gonna do, uh, hopefully, it won't have any issues with that today. But today I'm starting a new series called Facing Cultural Headwinds, The Need for the Holy Spirit. And so we're gonna be reading a variety of topics or scriptures over the next couple of weeks as I'm doing this particular topic. And uh, one of the things that I want to say to you today is this I understand this is probably one of the more sensitive subjects in Christianity. A lot of varying opinions and ideas as it relates to this. So you probably notice when I teach, I always have a lot of Scripture because I find that Scripture has a way of settling opinions. And so today we're going to really have a lot of Scripture. So would you stand for the reading of the Word and we're going to go into Acts chapter 1 verses 3 through 9. Come on, everybody read with me. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. Now, Jesus, I pray that your activity, which now flows as a result through the Holy Spirit, I pray that our minds and our hearts are open to what you have to say through the word. I pray, God, that misunderstandings can be corrected. I pray that uh, concerns, God, can be settled and put to rest. I pray, God, that new insight and new understanding would come. And as a result, God, that we would be the people that you want us to become. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. 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 The Lord bless you. You can be seated. So let me just say, as we're talking about this particular topic, I want to kind of renew a commitment to you. I have learned this, that you can't bully people and you can't intimidate people into the kingdom of God. My approach to this is this. If you just, if you just present the facts, if you can present it, I'll say in a compelling way why it's urgent, why it's important, and allow the Holy Spirit to do the work, and so sometimes, uh, you, people usually will come around, and what, what I mean by that is this, it's always easy if, if you present something, and right there, right at that second, right at that moment, somebody makes the change. Well, wouldn't we all love that, to have one presentation and everybody's on board? But what you find is, is this, people have a way of what I call letting the information marinate in their mind, their heart, and over a period of time, they, become, they come into understanding and so I want to tell you as we're talking about this topic, that's where I'm coming from. Yes, I'm, 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 I'm passionate about what I have to say. I believe in it firmly. But I also would never say that I'm going to bully you, intimidate you, or, say, and, or come up with some kind of a presentation that you would go, wow, you're just kind of like really going overboard on this today. Not, that's not my style. I just believe in the, listen, I believe you're smart. okay. Why don't you look at the person next to you and say, Pastor thinks you're brilliant. Some of you will laugh way too hard that you just pulled the plug on whatever you just said. Now, why do I say that? Because I think sometimes if you're not careful, you communicate in a way that is, is demeaning to the other person. And I just say this. Listen, I think you're smart. I think this is one of those topics that, if look, if you just, if you just stick with the Scripture, you lay it out give time to people to process, think it out, pray about it. Listen, they're going to come around. It's all good. And some people might come around sooner than others, but nobody should feel condemned on something like that. And so, I just want you to know, listen, I'm going to be respectful of people who say, "I just don't I just don't agree with what you said today." That's okay. You know, I'm okay with that. But what I want you to sh- see today is maybe why I believe what I believe, enough that I'm willing to share this publicly and I've We've taught on the Holy Spirit from time to time here at the church, okay? But what I want you to know is that I know this. The topic of the Holy Spirit is one of the most divisive topics in Christianity, Hey, okay? The Holy Spirit and giving money to the church, two most divisive issues in Christianity today. You know, those are two topics where people go, gosh, my calendar just fi- filled up until you get through that series. It's true, Okay? And again, I just want to be respectful. So I know that this this is a hot topic. And so as a result of this, we now have Christians who have marginalized the Holy Spirit. But let's look at this. God revealed himself, he says, there's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He doesn't say you get to be all in on God and all in on Jesus, and you can kind of push the Holy Spirit aside. Jesus said they're all one. He taught that. So I have to be careful that if I somehow take a piece of who he is and marginalize it, I begin to tamper with that dynamic that says they're one. Jesus said we are in perfect unity. So if I start to do something with that, now I'm messing with the unity. And it's not going to be a reflection on God. It'll be a reflection on me. Now, the other part of this is this. Just because some topics are controversial or hard to teach about doesn't give us a pass. But I will tell you this because... I know because my own, my own network, or network of friends and that, sometimes this is a topic that's averted. They go, man, I, I wish I could do that. I wish I could preach on it like you do, Greg, but I can't because, man, it's such a device. I, I could lose 25, 30% of my people over that topic, and I just, can't, I just can't go there, or I can't, I can't share some of the concepts that maybe you do. And I go, but that, maybe that's the problem because you're not addressing it. It's leading to factions like that. Maybe if you taught on it, it would bring people into unity. You may not lose them. They may respect you for getting them all on the same page. So, let's begin to look at this. Why why do we think we can do this, you know, marginalize the Holy Spirit? Where does this all come from when we look at what the Bible has to say? And let me show you what the Bible has to say. The books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all reference the topic of the Holy Spirit. And I don't mean one time. I mean frequently, okay? There is frequent referencing. Now, why do I point that out? Because each of the Gospels were written to a particular audience. Did you know that not all four Gospels address the birth of Jesus? Only Matthew and Luke address the birth of Jesus. Mark doesn't talk about it, and John doesn't talk about it. They just just start their Gospel at some other point. Why? Because they were telling stories that were relevant to the audience that they were writing to. They weren't discounting the evidence or the stories. They were just saying, my audience isn't concerned about that. My audience is concerned about this. And so they all have stories that maybe each other doesn't have. But you know what's interesting is on the Holy Spirit, they're all four in. They're all saying, all our audiences need to hear this. Jew, Gentile, Roman, doesn't matter who they are. All of them were in agreement. The Holy Spirit was relevant to their audience. All of them. And I think it's important for us to know that, that no matter who they were writing to, they all said, but the Holy Spirit, they all need to hear it. But then we go into the other parts of the, of the New Testament. And I've shared this in previous series on the Holy Spirit, but let me get, let me just make sure that everybody understands this. In the, bo- in the book of Luke, Luke wrote the Gospel of Luke. How's that for a revelation? <laughs> but he also wrote a sequel called Acts, Okay. So sometimes newer folks don't know that. So after he wrote the Gospel of Luke, he then wrote the book of Acts. It just, it's a continuation of what he did in Luke, okay? In the book of Luke, he makes reference to the Holy Spirit 17 times. Then he goes to the book of Acts, he makes a reference to the Holy Spirit 51 times. He triples his references. Does that sound like he's phasing things out? Does it sound like things are calming? He's actually going the other direction. He's ramping it up saying, this is what was supposed... The Holy Spirit now is in charge of continuing the ministry of Jesus on earth through us. So he's actually ramping it up. If you come to the the Apostle Paul, he wrote 13 of the books of the New Testament. He references the Holy Spirit 125 times. Does that sound like things are fading out? I mean, you just look at, like I said, I haven't even referenced the text a specific scripture and you see this whole massive dimension of teaching regarding the Holy Spirit. And I will tell you, I'll say this not trying to poke anybody, but did you know the Apostle Paul wouldn't be allowed to preach in a lot of churches today because he references the Holy Spirit too much? I mean, it's it's, it's a fact. If he stood up and started teaching on the Holy Spirit the way he has written in his books of the Bible. There's a lot of churches that go, look, brother, you just can't do that here. You know, we're going to lose too many people. You're going to have to tone it down. You, need, you know, let's, let's, let's stick with the red letters. You're like, well, you know, Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit too. So I'm just saying we see this momentum, this shift towards here's what Jesus did while he was on earth. And now it's all about the working of the Holy Spirit and working through our lives and how the Holy Spirit looks in day-to-day living. So, this takes us back to the text that we just did, we read today, earlier. Acts chapter 1. Jesus, why did Jesus tell his followers not to leave Jerusalem until they had received, and I should have put some quotations here, quote, the gift my father promised, which he was referring to, the Holy Spirit. Why is that? I mean, they... They walked with Jesus three, three and a half years, right? Saw that he did. In fact, they were sent out two by two and they prayed and and healed the sick and preached and people were converted. So you're kind of like, what is Jesus implying? Like they didn't get everything that they needed when they were walking with it. Jesus said, don't even leave Jerusalem until you've received this. Wow, why would Jesus say that? even though there was a history of effective ministry. See, so, remember, they were there for the five, feeding of the 5,000. Okay, They'd all participated. So you're like, why is, why is Jesus making this mandate? Notice Jesus didn't make it a suggestion. Hey, if you want to, hang around Jerusalem. He said, don't go until you've received this. Why would he say that? Well, it's actually answered with another question and it's this what changed in now this is a question that I, I if 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 this rocks you when I answer this please give me five minutes to clean it up okay how many will give me five minutes to clean it up if you don't like it okay here we go what changed in the Roman Empire as a result of Jesus's death resurrection and ascension notice I said Roman Empire what changed nothing Caesar was still Caesar slaves were still slaves the army still occupied all the countries that it had conquered rome was still rome in fact from this point on rome actually got worse remember they burned down rome and then blamed the christians later they leveled jerusalem slaughter a million jews some are scattered and some are taken as slaves. Rome was still Rome, doing Roman things. The death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus didn't even cause Rome to skip a beat. Now, I know some of you, are, this is the point, you're, you need to give me five minutes to clean this up. Because you're going, wow, you're just, you're, you're, are you saying that Jesus' death, resurrection, ascension had no impact? No, uh, hold on. I didn't say it had no impact. I said it didn't do to the Roman Empire what people wanted it to do to the Roman Empire. Remember they said in the text that we read, remember the disciples said to Jesus, hey, is this when the kingdom gets set up now and everything's restored to Israel? It's like, is this, is this, is this the moment where we get the flex on the Romans? And Jesus' response is a huge disappointment. The times and the dates and the authority are none of your business. That's not what they wanted to hear. And then he says, but you may not want to leave Jerusalem until you've received this power. In fact, don't leave Jerusalem. And then he disappears. (laughs) So what he was saying was this. I didn't change Rome, I changed you. And if you are gonna go out and live under Roman oppression, You'd better have the power of the Holy Spirit because Rome's power is huge. And without the power of the Holy Spirit, Rome's power will beat you. But if you walk out with the power of the Holy Spirit, Rome won't know what to do with you. Because, now he doesn't say this, but the scripture supports this. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We always wanna think everything will get better if we could just get political power, if we could just get the change, if we could just get our guy and our woman in those House seats or those Senate seats or that Judicial Committee or in the White House. We always have these, these and you know what, I thank God that we get a chance to have a vote, okay? I'm, I'm grateful for that, I'm not dismissive, and I would never tell anybody don't go vote. I would tell you please, it's, we have a wonderful privilege, but you understand these people did not have that privilege. And so they had to learn, how am I supposed to live with a power that is so great and so awesome? And Jesus is saying, well, you may not want to leave Jerusalem and enter into the world of the Roman Empire and its power. If you don't have my power, you won't make it. I would tell you this, could we not be in the same position today? Could we not? Even though our title is United States of America, Could we not be also living under the power and the values of Rome today? 40, 50 years later, Paul writes a letter to the Roman Christians. This is 40, 50 years after Jesus has died, resurrected, and ascended. And guess what? Rome's still in power. And the followers of Christ are having to live out their faith with this oppressive power over him, over them. And I want to, there's a text here I'm going to read from Romans 1. It's not a popular verse to read. In fact, it's often uh, provokes people to, uh, who hold different values in Christianity. This is those verses that agitate their view. And I go, look, you have a right to read what you want to read, but it also includes me, I have a right to read what I want to read. So let's make sure that we are reciprocal in our respect of what what we believe in. And this is what Paul wrote 40 to 50 years after the resurrection and ascension of Christ. You'll see Rome is still Rome, but he's telling the believers to live their life. But see if it doesn't parallel what we're facing today. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of a mortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore God gave them over in their sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator who is to be praised. Amen. Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lust, for their women exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed shameful acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their error. Furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind so that they do what ought not to be done." They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. Could we not be living in another modern age of Rome today? I know what it says, United States of America. But could it be that we've adopted Rome? And what would Jesus say? Yeah, you don't want to leave Jerusalem because Rome's powerful. You don't want to go out there and try to face Rome in your own power. You better have the power of the Holy Spirit. Rome's not kind. Rome's brutal. Rome doesn't have values. Rome doesn't play by rules. Rome even stages and sets people up to take the fall for things that they didn't do. You might want to think about whether you need the power of the Holy Spirit or not. See, sometimes we live such a life in comfort that we think the Holy Spirit might be optional equipment. I just came back from an Islamic country. The Christians there don't see the Holy Spirit as optional. Speaking with them, they said, we send our kids to school. And we know that our kids are going to be berated. They're going to be made fun of. We know the teachers are going to go after them. We know all the stuff. And they said, we have no appeal process. There's nothing that we can do. We have to let our kids, in order for them to learn, we have to let our kids be persecuted at school. So we send our kids to school prepping them for persecution. Wow. And so I said, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's not optional here. You're a follower of Jesus. You better have the Holy Spirit. Because Islamic is strong. They'll mow you over. They don't value your opinion. They resist what you stand for. We don't have an option when it comes to that. And I just say that, you know, as I was on my way back, and I was thinking about some of us on the plane, and just jotting some notes down, and just thinking, wow, could it be our comfort has convinced us that it's optional, but in reality it's not? And now our culture is becoming more Roman in its appearance and in its influences. You may find yourself coming to the conclusion, this may not be the day to see the Holy Spirit as an optional, as an option in life. It is a mandate that we need in order to live because sometimes we can't change the things that make our lives difficult. And the Bible doesn't say, well, oh, if it's difficult, you get off the hook. <laughs> Bless your heart. You don't have to. You be, I get it. It's hard. So we're not going to let How many know? It's, no, the Bible doesn't adopt the, the fact that it's just because it's hard we get a pass on it. In fact, it's just the opposite. If it's hard, all the more we're expected to do that. So today's message, I have one point. But trust me, it's gonna last a long, long time. So as we look at things, let's begin to look at this. Here it is, number one, and it's the rest of the sermon. Here we go, read it out loud. Jesus was announcing that there was a, now new, a, a new dimension of the Holy Spirit available to his followers. Notice I said announcing now a new dimension. We sometimes, as Christians today, who spend most of our time reading the New Testament, we fail to understand the Old Testament, that a lot of things were already set in motion, and the New Testament was just merely a culmination. So I understand why we spend so much time in the New, but there's a whole history, a dynamic in the Old Testament that we have to be aware of, that when Jesus said what he said to them, when he said that there's the power of the Holy Spirit, they had all been instructed regarding the Holy Spirit as to what the Old Testament had to say. Now, I don't have time to give you all 39 books of the Bible of the Old Testament, their view on the Holy Spirit. I mean, I could, but we'd be here a while. So I'm just going to kind of give you some highlights, okay, that show you the Holy Spirit was always active but how it was being revealed and that the New Testament, what we read today, was a culmination of revelation and fulfillment. So in Genesis 1, verses 1 and 2, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. The very first thing that we are taught about the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament is its creative power i just say this one of the things we have to recognize is the fact that there is a dimension of the holy spirit that helps us to see something that's not there and have the ability to create something and put it remember it says that we were created in the image of god male and female right which means we have some of the attributes of god god could look into something and see nothing but he goes i got an idea and i'm going to create it well don't we do the same thing literally every day we have ideas and then we sit down and we figure out how to take an idea and make it into some form of reality. That's one of the ways that we live a fulfilled and productive life is I need to do more than just think about it. I need to take my idea and actually make it work. And it, it plays out, you, some of you may make a list of what you're going to do that day. You know, These are my checklist. These are the things I got to get done. Those are just words on a piece of paper. But what's awesome is, is you have the ability to go out and actually do something about it. Then we read in Genesis chapter 41, verses 40, 30, 37, 38. This is Joseph, he's working for Pharaoh, and he is solving world hunger, literally. How awesome is that on your resume? Hey, what were you doing those 14 years? Solving world hunger. How'd it go? Saved them all. Yeah. I mean, what a resume builder, right? So Pharaoh is impressed with Joseph. Now, what's, what's really important is to pay attention to the words that Pharaoh, now Pharaoh thinks he's a god, right? Pay attention to the word. This is an outsider observing a follower of God in his day. And notice what he says. He says, the plan seems so good to Pharaoh and to all of his officials. So Pharaoh asked them, can we find anyone like this man, one in whom is the Spirit of God? That is the Hebrew word, ruah, and it's always capitalized. But Pharaoh, when he spoke it, that's not what he meant. He was referring to a small s, but he used the right word, but he was putting it because he's a pagan. In his world, there is no capital S, but he's acknowledging there is a spirit of God. Now, he also knew that there were other spirits, but he's now come to the conclusion there is this one, and he doesn't know what else to call it, but the spirit of God. And this is crazy because he thinks he's also that, but he also picks up this guy's got something maybe I don't have. It's interesting how God's can use sometimes people outside the faith to tell us what's going on. You're like, oh, that's how it's coming across. So we read here. He starts to say, and notice he says, in whom. Notice that in. Then you come to this, Exodus chapter 31, verses 1 through 11. I've read this over the years. It's one of my favorite texts. Because I think it gives people purpose and meaning when they see that what they do has a a validation in Scripture. So Moses has led all the slaves, uh, the the Israelites, out of Egypt. And they're in the wilderness. And God says, I want you to build me a tabernacle. Well, there's only one problem in having three million slaves take the construction of a tabernacle in in the middle of the wilderness. They only know how to build pyramids. And it's really hard to transport a pyramid. The tabernacle needs to be portable. So it's kind of like so how do, how do we how do we train these people to do and build something they've never done or never built? Because they're kind of like one-dimensional in their construction abilities. This is what so Moses is asking questions, and this is what God tells Moses. Here's how we're going to reeducate the labor pool in the nation of Israel out here in the middle of the desert and how they're going to learn how to build a tabernacle. Here's the plan, Moses. Then the Lord said to Moses, See, I've chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. Read verse 3 with me. And I have filled him with the Spirit of God. Let's just stop there. Does everybody see that? New word. Filled. With the Spirit of God. If you're in the trades... You ought to be sitting a little taller. The first people to be filled with the Spirit of God were the tradesmen. With wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills. To do what? To make artistic designs. Did you know if you can design something? Something that's not there, but you create something, you draw it out. The ability to take something that's just a thought and a concept and actually put it down where there's a reality. How many times some of you in these businesses, somebody says, this is what I want. You say, hey, I got a picture. Let me sketch it out. Let me lay it out. Let me diagram it. Oh, this would look so good if you put a color here and we'll put tile there and we're going to do this. We're going to do that. You have the ability to help people take a thought and you give it reality and they look, oh, that's so awesome. That's even better than what I was hoping for. And then they hire you to do that. Where did you get that creative power? Well, you know, I was just always born that way. Well, okay, so you're born that Well, Who gave it to you when you were born? Because some of us were born and never got it. <laughs> I mean, hey, we're building this tabernacle over there in the, or in the Senegal. And, you know, we had some incredible people in this church that are gifted. And, uh, man, they knew what to do and they knew how to do this. And, they're, and we had all kinds of setbacks. They just said, Pastor, we just need you with a wheelbarrow and hauling concrete. I told them after this week, I said, I got to go back home and go to the gym so I can rest. <laughs> but man, they go, oh, I know what to do. We know what to do. Oh, here's how we're going to solve this. Oh, man. Because, you know, if you don't know, it, you know, Home Depot's not up the road over there. So you got to work with what you got. Man, those guys, and the women from our church, boy, they just, they just knew what to do. They just had a, you know, where, where'd you, well, I was, I, you know, it's just something runs in the family. So where, where did your family get it? See, what you come down to is this you are gifted. And you know what? God gifted people who don't even acknowledge Him. He gifted them. And they don't even acknowledge the gifter who gave it to them. And it goes on to work in gold and silver and bronze. To cut and set stones. These are masonry people. We had one of the guys in our church who does masonry work. He knew exactly what to do with the blocks and the cement and how it all worked. And to work in wood. Those are carpenters. And to engage in all kinds of crafts. Moreover, I have appointed Oheliab, son of Ahizamac, of the tribe of Dan, to help him. Now we have an apprentice. Also, I have given ability to all of the skilled workers to make everything I have commanded you. The tent of meeting, the Ark of the Covenant, law uh, with atonement cover on it, and all the other furnishings of the tent. The table and its articles. Get this? These are furniture people. Some people just say, oh, I just do upholstery. Really, is that, is that your bottom line? That's how you're going to say it. Do you know that you've been gifted with the very talent that God gave to a bunch of slaves in the middle of nowhere, and he says, I want you to make the furniture for my house. Now, there's a job you put on the resume. Well, where's your furniture? God's house. I mean, no, that's, a, that's definitely a referral that you say. And you're welcome to call him. The altar of incense, the altar of burnt offerings and all its utensils, the basin with a stand, and also the woven garments, both the sacred garments for Aaron the priest and the garments of his, for his sons when they serve as priests. These are seamstresses. These are people who can take a, a piece of a fabric and turn it into the most magnificent outfit that you've ever seen. First people to be given the Holy Spirit were them. Verse 11, and the anointing oil and the fragrant incense for the holy place, they are to make them just as I commanded you. So suddenly you you see this. The Holy Spirit transformed slaves into craftsmen. Man, if you're an artist, you can look at something in the distance or you can look at nature you can look at and you say be awesome if somebody if if people had the ability to take a mountain view home i got an idea i'll paint the view and they can take the view of the mountain with them did you know that's that's the holy spirit man the ability to do those kinds of things then you run into numbers chapter 11 verse 17 and verses 25 through 30 Moses is being overworked you know three million people slaves in the middle of nowhere how many can say they probably had a lot of issues so Moses is overwhelmed and God says I'm going to help you and what you see now is God's going to help leadership grow But he recognizes in order for the leadership to grow, they're going to need the Holy Spirit. So in in Numbers chapter 11, verse 17, this is what God says to Moses. I will come down and speak with you there, and I will take some of the power of the Spirit that is on you and put it on them. They will share the burden of the people with you so that you will not have to carry it alone. God says, how about if I take some of the same Holy Spirit on you and give it to them? And they can... They, people can go to them and get from them what they get from you. It's not your wisdom. It's the Holy Spirit that they're looking for. So verse 25, Then the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke with him, and he took some of the power of the Spirit that was on him and put it on the 70 elders. When the Spirit rested on them, they prophesied and did not do so again. So what this was was an occurrence because how could you know when the, when the Holy Spirit had come on them? How did you know when... The, the sum of the Holy Spirit was on Moses, went to them. God says, I will have them prophesy. There's the evidence. Because otherwise, you're like, well, anybody could say they got it, but how do we know it? We don't see anything. That's just something that you're saying. And so, God says, they'll prophesy. That's how you'll know that it has occurred. That's the physical evidence of something that happened in the spiritual. Y'all with me? Okay. Verse 26, however, two men whose names were Eldad and Medad uh, Medad, had remained in the camp. Two guys didn't make the board meeting. They were listed among the elders but did not go out to the tent. Yet the spirit also rested on them and they prophesied in the camp. A young man ran and told Moses, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. Joshua, son of Nun, who had been Moses's aide since youth, spoke up and said, Moses, my Lord, stop them. That's a good evangelical, isn't it? <laughs> they can't do that. But Moses replied, are you jealous for my sake? Listen, this is crucial right here. I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit on them little did Moses know that was a prophecy Moses said I'm glad I'm not the only guy who's got this right now cuz it's a heavy load now I got 70 others I wish everybody got to experience what I do as a leader I get a dimension of god revealed to me that they don't i wish everybody had this little did moses know it was on the way see this is the backdrop of when jesus said don't leave jerusalem basically he was saying the thing that everybody wanted but it was denied them because it was reserved for a few select people Jesus was saying, I'm going to make that all available to anybody who's a follower of Jesus. It's it's on the way. It's coming. But the reason you're going to need this is not because I'm just opening up the heavens. You need this because the power of Rome is incredible. But it, it speaks to a verse that Paul says later on in his writings, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. The power of Rome doesn't bother me as long as i got the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. Okay, that was where you say amen. All right, all right. All right, so enough, of the, enough of, the, of the Old Testament. I could keep going through, okay? I could keep going through book by book in the Old Testament where these are things. And so they were aware that these were occurrences, but they were always reserved for certain people. And then you come to the book of Joel where he says, and I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And it was, it was prophesied officially by By Joel, what Moses had said, man, it would just be awesome if everybody could have this. And Joel says, it's been prophesied, it will come. All God's flesh will have the ability to experience his Holy Spirit. He's going to pour out his Spirit in the last days. And so now we come back to this. Acts chapter 1, verse 5. Jesus said this, for John baptized with water. Okay, what do we mean by baptized? Well, baptized means immersion, okay? And then he says and you will be ba- but you will be baptized with the holy spirit. So that word baptized means immersion, submerge. That's never been a phrase used in the Old Testament. This is a new dimension that Jesus is talking about. He says where you have seen people filled, where you have seen people come on, I'm talking about being you know submerge means you go under. You're under. That has never been a concept that was mentioned in the Old Testament, and and he uses John the Baptist. He says, John the Baptist baptized with water. He immersed you, he submerged you in water. Now how did you know when you got baptized in water? Well the simple answer is, you're wet. Okay? And it was real easy to identify because he's out in the wilderness on the edge of the desert and you're soaking wet out in the middle of nowhere. It's pretty obvious like, how did you get so wet? First opportunity to tell a testimony of what God's done in your life. Well, John the Baptist just baptized me. You know, they didn't have changing rooms out there. You got baptized, you walked around wet. And that promoted conversation like, what happened to you? You know you're in the desert. How'd you get so wet? So the evidence of being baptized in water was wet. Got it? And then we come to, so how do I know I've been immersed? How do I know I've been submerged? This is where you go to Acts 2-4, as he says, you'll speak in other tongues. Now, let me say this. The Holy Spirit is a variety of dimensions. You are, listen, the Holy Spirit is working in people who aren't even Christians yet. That's how you get convicted of sin. But then you get convicted of sin, and it's the Holy Spirit that helps you to repent. And then it's the Holy Spirit that helps you to begin to understand and read the Bible and see things and learn things that you've never learned. It's the Holy Spirit that, you, that works in you. So now you're not praying selfishly all the time just for yourself. You know, God, if you give me a lot of money, if you make me famous, I promise to use all those giftings to make you gl- and bring glory and honor to you. No, 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 no. Those are all things designed. God, I promise if you, make me li- if you help me win the lottery, I'll do more than tithe. See, those are all, me. you just, you start to go, hey God, why don't you just put me where I have the biggest impact on the kingdom of God and I'll be good. Hey God, I'm tired of telling you how to make me happy. Why don't you just show me what you want and I'm all in. See, the Holy Spirit, so these are a variety of dimensions that you were, and there's another dimension that you need to be aware of is being immersed Has everybody got me? So it's not, well, if I'm not immersed, are you saying I don't have the Holy Spirit? I'm saying you haven't entered into that dimension yet, but you are on the path experiencing the Holy Spirit. But listen, I've been married to my wife for 40 years. Did you know I'm still learning? You just kind of think after 40 years, you know, you just got everything down, right? Like just, can I get a witness from any guys right now? Come on, man, I need you to speak up. Don't be cowards. Yeah, it's a journey. And then, get this, she'll change. I said, well, I always thought, well, I used to. Okay, so what do you want now? Well, Now I prefer, if you haven't recognized it's a relationship with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit says, yeah, that's what I wanted from you back then, but today, this is what I want from you. And I can't promise you that it won't be something different tomorrow. That's why it's a relationship. That's why it's an immersion. Amen. You need to understand the various dimensions. You see the various dimensions all through the Holy, in the Old Testament. You see that. And so I say, don't get a defeatist mindset that, oh, well, if I don't have that, then you're saying, no, no, no. You saw the Holy Spirit was working in people's lives. Okay. What I want to say is this. God, I want to, listen to me. This is crucial that you hear me. I want to grow into every dimension of the Holy Spirit that He makes available to me. That's what I want. And did you know as a pastor, I have giftings today that I did not have 20 years ago. God grew me into them. You can't say 20 years ago I didn't have the Holy Spirit in my life. But i grown into other dimensions of my walk with Him. Does everybody got that? It's a growing It's not, it's not, I have or I don't have. Are you growing is the key question I ask you today. And are you willing to grow further? In Acts chapter one, verse eight, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. He was saying, you're going to go into darkness. You're going into Rome's kingdom. Everywhere that's mentioned there belongs to Rome. Everywhere that is mentioned, Rome has an occupying army. And he's saying, I'm telling you to go where Rome is occupying. And I'm telling you to go be my witnesses. You need the power of the Holy Spirit because Rome's not going to receive you. The people may want your message, but Rome will not want it. And the word witness there is a Greek word, martyria. It's where we get our Greek, it's where we get our English word, martyr. Rome's not going to like you. Rome doesn't want to listen to you. People who are oppressed in those regions want to hear what you have to say. But it might cost you. Yeah, God, give me all that I can handle because I never know the day, the time, or the hour. Listen, we all know what it's like to plan our schedules, right? And We also know that most of what shows up was not on the calendar. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. And that word power is referring to a moral power. I can live a values system that those in authority may say, no, 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 no. We don't espouse those values. We don't agree with your values. And you just go, well, I'm sorry. That's the values I live by. I was in Senegal, people... They share their faith and they have the same view that I've shared so many times here. They said, there's not not enough government authorities to stop us from sharing our faith. Oh, they could shut down our worship. They could shut us down here. But if I have a one-on-one conversation with somebody about Jesus, there aren't enough government officials in the world to shut me down. And they might take this and they might take this, but they will not stop me from telling another person about Jesus moral power. We need the Holy Spirit. Here's the last one, I promise. Maybe. This is the Apostle Peter. This is a guy who was born on the wrong side of the tracks. You can tell by the way he followed Jesus. He really wanted wanted to be somebody. Not necessarily always for selfish purposes, but just gee, I'm just a fisherman. It would be so awesome to be some of these other people in life. He was from Galilee, which was another discredit. He's, from the, he's just on the wrong side of everything, right? He's just, he's a, he's a rough cut dude. And this is what he writes in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. Get the imagery. He says, you are a chosen people. Listen to me. You are a chosen people, a holy or a, a royal priesthood. Notice this, he's like, I'm no longer a fisherman, man. I belong, I'm a priesthood. A holy nation, God's special possession. Do you know he's talking about you too? That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful life. No priest would have ever tried to minister without the spirit of God upon them. They would have been taught in, in the schools of ministry in their day. People come from hundreds of miles to do this religious thing at the temple. It is crucial they feel God here. You represent God to them. You would never step into that role unless the Spirit of God was on you because these people have sacrificed so much just to make an appearance. You would never go into the priesthood unless you knew the Spirit of God was on you. And now, Peter says, that's you. I hope you're getting this, right? So when we teach preaching and teaching at the seminary level or whatever, one of the things I do is, you know, what's your big takeaway? What's going to be your big, aha, what, what do you want people to walk out the door with today? Can I tell you what my whole point was this today? Can I give you the, can I just give you the takeaway? Please tell me yes, <laughs> makes me feel good. <laughs> my takeaway today is this, that I want, for, I want you to take. Your response would be, I want that. I want that. Not because I've been bullied or intimidated or threatened. Yeah, I want that. I wanted the ability to have the power to stand up to the forces of Rome and say, that's all right. Rome, you be Rome, but I'm not Roman. I'm a chosen people, I'm a royal priesthood, I'm a holy nation, I am God's special possession. I'm not Roman. I'm his. You can't take that from me. And I will never give that to you. And everybody said amen. Come on, let's stand to our feet as we wrap up the service. Listen, here's how we're gonna wrap this up. I'm gonna take three minutes and I'm gonna ask you, out of respect, I wanna do this in a way of respect. I'm gonna ask us all to lift their hands and for the next three minutes, Here's what I want you to ask, God. Give me all you got. Give me all you got. Whatever my preconceived notions are about the Holy Spirit, wherever I'm at, I'm asking for the next dimension of it. Okay, that's what I want, God. I know where I'm at. I'm asking for the next dimension and the next. I want all that you have for me. I do not want to marginalize the Holy Spirit in my life. I know three minutes is a long time, but come on, let's lift our voices. Come on, everybody, lift your voice, and let's ask God for that today.